The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It's uh, 2.35 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Big thanks to Gord for popping in as usual on Thursday. Andrew's away today and tomorrow. Jalen flying solo. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Uh, lots to get to, but one of the things that we did want to talk about, certainly before one of our favorite sports guys gets on the plane to head uh, out to East, huge night, uh, lots going, well, huge night for Connor McDavid last night. Uh, the Oilers, lots going on there besides Connor. Uh, the trade of Jordan Eberle today as well. Uh, they've announced their, their their schedule. So we want to talk about that uh, a little bit. Morley Scott joins us from the Edmonton International Airport. Hey, Morley. Hey, how you doing, Jaylen? Good. Are you through security? I'm just, no, actually, we're a little behind. We're just going through the parkade right now. I'm walking through the uh, <laughs> to the check-in counter. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, your thoughts last night, uh, Conor McDavid winning three awards, uh, the Ted Lindsay Award, the uh, the Hart Memorial, and the Art Ross, which we knew. Um, did you expect a three? Uh, well, he'd already won one, right? That's he, right, we, we yeah. Knew he had, we knew he had won the Art Ross already. Uh, I'm not surprised. No, I mean, if you're usually the... Uh, the other two kind of go hand in hand at times. The uh, the Ted Lindsay is voted on by the players as the best player in the league, mm-hmm. and uh, the other one, of course, is voted on by the media. And uh, usually, it's no surprise for a guy to win both. I mean, it's an incredible run he's had. Eh, think oh. about twenty years old. He's won all that. He could still be playing junior hockey this year. Oh my gosh! And and he's the most valuable player in the NHL. You know, and it was, you saw that picture at the end of the evening. So it's him and his girlfriend, his parents, and what looks like I think it's his brother and his brother's wife, you know, out there with all the hardware. There's just one missing right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was thinking, I was talking to Ryan Jesperson about that on the morning show this morning. The uh, the old pictures of Gretzky when he had the mm. Hart Trophy and the Conn Smythe and the Stanley Cup and, and uh, the Art Ross in front of him at the awards ceremony, and I was thinking, you know, there's going to be a picture like that someday of Connor McDavid for sure, uh, just sitting there smiling with all the hardware that you could possibly win having won it all. Uh, but that have to be patient, right? Not going to happen right away. 20 years old. Can you even imagine Morley? It's incredible, like, to be at the top of your game, to be playing the way he's playing and to be recognized the way he's been recognized uh, in the last 24 hours. Throw in uh, not only the uh, the awards, and the trophies, but he was also named the first all-star team. Mm-hmm. And he was also put on the cover of, uh, <laughs> of the game, too. Yes. Right? You know, he's going on EA Sports uh, cover, which is, you know, for a lot of people, that's more impressive than winning the Art Ross, right? Or, well, or winning the Art Trophy. And that's hilarious. I actually had to ask somebody what that was today. Now I know, kind of. Um, yeah, so huge day for, huge night for Connor McDavid. Uh, pretty exciting for him. We have some clips uh, we caught up with him this afternoon. Uh, but Jordan Eberle, this Jordan Eberle trade, maybe not surprising. There's been a lot of talk about it over the past few months. Your thoughts on uh, on Jordan Eberle uh, being traded to the Islanders for Ryan Strom? Yeah, it's an interesting trade. Uh, you you kind of knew it was coming at some point. It still kind of is shocking when it does happen. Uh, you know, the the rumors about him being traded have been just flying around almost for years, really. Uh, but it really got thick last year down the stretch into the trade deadline. And then uh, once the season ended and he didn't have a very good playoff, he didn't score a goal and only had a couple of points, I think a lot of people thought, well, that's, that's going to be it. Uh, that kind of 
stoke the fires of a possible trade a little bit. So there's there's a lot of components to this. A the the orders move a player who was who was struggling a little bit and maybe not uh, you know producing the way they wanted to to, to produce. But they also free up a lot of cap space with this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's making six million dollars. Strom's making about two and a half, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's going to open up a lot of cap space for the orders to work with. Haven't heard yet. I, I'm not sure. I, I haven't heard if uh, the orders are picking up any, uh, keeping any of the salary or not. But uh, either way, it's going to open up some cap space for the orders, which is important. A when they try to sign Leon Drysaddle, and B when they sign. Uh, Connor McDavid, uh, mm-hmm. probably both. Well, one for sure this off season, and McDavid probably this off season as well. With his contract expiring at the end of next year, they can uh, sign him after July first to an extension. So they need that cap space, and and then of course they want to use it uh, free agent time as well to see if they can lure someone to come to Edmonton to to complement uh, the team that, that made it to uh, the end of the second round of the playoffs <laughs> last year. So it's now a destination, I think, with the new arena, with Connor McDavid being a team that is on the rise and has now gone into, got back into the playoffs, won a round, taken a second round to Game 7. I think it's now a destination that a lot of players mm-hmm. will look a lot more seriously at. Morley, curious to know about uh, who you think won this trade. I'm seeing a lot of chat on social media. Of course, the the, the folks that are going to poo-poo it are, are pretty loud, pretty vocal right now, yeah. saying, you know, it was, a, it was a crappy trade. We lost this one. Um, what do you think? Well, it's, it, if you look at just the hockey trade, the hockey part of it, uh, the owners didn't win the trade because, uh, you know, Jordan Eberle's probably, you know, his, uh, as I saw somewhere, his worst year in the NHL is better than the best year that Strom had. But yeah. it's more than a hockey trade. Like I just talked about, it's about cap space. It's about, you know, finding a better mix on the team. So I don't know if you can really judge it straight points for points. Um, but, you know, Eberle's a little bit more established. And, you know, he did score 20 goals last year. He's got the potential to be a pretty... Uh, pretty big goal scorer if he's put in the right situation. If he gets to play with John Tavares in New York with the Islanders next mm-hmm. year, he could score 35 goals. Mm-hmm. But it's it's more than just player for player. It's the contract. It's it's uh, it's the cap space. It's a whole bunch of things. So it's it's hard to judge trades nowadays because you can't always judge it just player for player. Yeah. There's very few trades that are just plain and simple hockey trades that are made anymore. There's a uh, talk that there's um, there's uh, some developments in the Chris that possibly Chris Russell uh, defenseman Chris Russell could be traded. There's a, a deal possibly there as well. We're still waiting to see and uh, find out when that might be uh, finalized. So we'll keep everybody updated on that one. Um, the Oilers announced their schedule today. I'll tell you a little bit more about that coming up. Also wanted to talk about football with you as a when I was when introducing you. I said that you were going east. No, you were going west. You're heading to Vancouver. We are indeed heading to Vancouver. The Eskimos uh, play the BC Lions on Saturday night. Uh, first game of the regular season. Uh, 6.30 for the countdown to kick off. 8 o'clock for the actual kickoff of the game. The Eskimos and the BC Lions. Always kind of neat to get to a long training camp, uh, a short preseason, and then uh, go to work on the regular season in game one of 18. That will spread out over the next five months. And hopefully uh, everybody, somebody, uh, the team that you like and the team that you're playing for and the team that you're watching is still playing at the end of November. How's uh, BC looking this year? Uh, they're going to be a good team. I think a lot of people are expecting them to be a really good team. Uh, most of the, the experts are putting them finishing second in the West behind the Calgary Stampeders. I really think it's going to be a dogfight. you got to give Calgary first place because it's they keep winning it, so it's theirs until they lose it, I say. Um, uh, but uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a dogfight after that between the Lions, the Eskimos, and, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, the Bombers are probably in toughest of those three teams. And then the Saskatchewan Roughriders, uh, who knows? 
Really, yeah. who knows? Yeah, they who play tonight. They so. have. Uh, it's, uh, they had a terrible preseason, but that doesn't count. We'll see how they do. They open up tonight in Montreal for the first game of the regular season, so we'll get maybe a better look at that uh, tonight and how the Rough Riders are going to be. But, yeah, I think, I think BC is a good team. Uh, they got a great quarterback in Jonathan Jennings. Uh, and uh, some pretty solid, uh, solid players around them. They got a terrific receiving core, really good receiving core. They're good front seven on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, there'll be a handful for the Eskimos on Saturday night for sure. But the Eskimos are a good team too, and they like to, as as all good teams do. They think, yeah, they're going to be a handful for us, but we're going to be a handful for them. I mean, the Eskimos, uh, I think, are a better team than they were last year. I don't know if uh, you know, even if they finish with the same record of ten and eight, I think they'll be a better ten and eight. They'll be a more complete team and a team that will be more prepared to head into into the playoffs when they get here but uh, yeah it should be a good game really looking forward to it on saturday night oh absolutely and the uh, dinette and patio pregame show gets underway at six thirty. kickoff at eight o'clock can't wait that is correct can't wait morley okay now you go uh, check in and get through security have a safe flight i was just going to say the other the other item on oh. uh, on my agenda while i'm in vancouver tomorrow night uh, the media guys, myself, Terry John from Post Media, and Dave Campbell, uh, we're heading uptown a couple of blocks to our hotel to go watch Andrew perform. So uh, it'll, be just like, it'll be just like being at home. Just like being at home. Uh, you might remind him that he's got to be here at, uh, Monday at 2, okay? I will. I will. <laughs> Unless he didn't leave free tickets for us, then we won't see him at all. They're in your name. I don't know. Yeah, they're in your name. Make sure. Okay? Have a good one. I'm looking forward to the game, Morley. Take it easy. Thanks, Jalen. Talk okay, to you Okay, bye-bye. That's Morley Scott checking in from the Edmonton International Airport, heading to Vancouver as he's getting ready for the big game, the opener. Uh, Saturday, kickoff, 8 o'clock, the pregame show at 6.30. want to remind you uh, about this. It's this charity auction uh, item, which has been uh, donated by Global Edmonton, 6.30 Ched, the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, so Global Edmonton has donated a 40-person suite. It's for the Edmonton Eskimos home opener, which is happening next Friday, June 30th. And it's all being auctioned off in support of ovarian cancer research. So the auction is still underway. It started yesterday. It will go to tomorrow afternoon at 4. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. As I mentioned, uh, a suite for 40 people. Food and beverages being donated by Andrew Peller Limited, Coca-Cola, Coors Light, and the uh, Western Food Services. All you have to do is go to 630ched.com to place your bid. And as we mentioned, the proceeds are all going to the Edmonton Eskimo Women's Dinner Endowment Fund for Ovarian Cancer Research at the Lois Hole Hospital for Women. It's going to be a be a great night if you get in on this. I was trying to think of of bidding on it and who would you invite? Like what forty what what forty of your pals would you take to that? But yeah, so six thirty chud dot com will keep you updated on that and where that sits. And again, the auction closes tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. Back with more on the six thirty chud afternoon news. As we mentioned uh, with uh, Morley Scott, Jordan Eberly traded today uh, to the New York Islanders for right shooting forward Ryan Strom. A lot of Oilers fans don't seem to be happy about the trade. Oftentimes they don't. Um, one year ago, uh, of course, uh, Peter Torelli traded uh, Taylor Hall to New Jersey for Adam Larson. Uh, earlier today... Just a short while ago, actually, uh, Ebbs was on with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now, had this to say about the trade. It's been a bit of a whirlwind today, for sure. Um, 
obviously first off excited um you know like you said uh, the islanders i know quite a few guys there they got a great group and excited to get there and get things going and get the new season going um i mean as far as edmonton um you know nothing but good stuff they uh you know brought me in as a young guy and, and gave me every opportunity to succeed so um you know as far as the city the ownership the cage family all the gems have had coaches um uh, the fans obviously that they, they've been uh the best they've, that's I mean to me it was my second home so um, everyone in that city is uh, I'm grateful for everything they've done for me Jordan Eberle heading off to New York Islanders uh, for the next season by the way the uh, the, Oiland, oh, the Oilers did uh, drop their schedule for the upcoming season uh, October 4th Wednesday October 4th um, playing Calgary and then on to Vancouver and then against the Jets the Senators. Uh, you can check it out at NHL.com forward slash Oilers. Uh, text coming in saying, hey, you know what? The Everly trade was lopsided. I understand the money they save on cap space, but they could have got a future draft pick. So there's that. And then from Smoky Lake, hey, come on, enough with hockey. It's summer. It's summer. Oh, we'll be hearing Oilers all summer. No doubt on that one and of course uh, the Eskimos playing this weekend can't wait for football season to get underway. It's Jayla Nine, the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Um, Andrew is away today just trying to find something here. Just give me a second just juggling a whole lot of things. There it is. I wanted to mention this off the top and we're going to talk to um the dad coming up, the doctor coming up just after three o'clock. Uh, the question is, should there be a minimum age for cell phones? I want you to think about it for just a, a second there, Chadville. How old were your kids, maybe your grandkids, your nieces and nep- nephews, your godchildren, when they received their first cell phone? Well, there's a dad in Colorado who says his two children, aged 13 and 11, became so moody and reclusive after getting smartphones that he decided to form a group called Parents Against Underage Smartphones. Now, this uh, Dr. Tim Farnham and his group are now pushing for a law to create a minimum legal age for sales of smartphones. Take a listen. We hear it from early age. Oh, I want a smartphone. I want a smartphone. That's all the kids want. You know, they don't want anything else. And now you can say, well, you know, sorry, can't get you one until you're 13. What we're doing to kids is not right. We are just, we're abandoning kids to technology and it's doing them a lot of harm. Abandoning kids to technology and it's doing them a lot of harm. I suspect that there's there's some of you, there could be many of you that agree with that statement. Others who would say, no, the kids need to be up to date on that technology to keep moving forward as they get older in this world that is constantly changing, especially when it comes to technology. But do we need a law? Again, this is Colorado. This is in Denver. It is not in Canada. It is not in Alberta. But is this something that you think would be a good idea or do you think it's a bunch of you-know-what? So 
this doctor, and again, we're going to hear from him just after 3 o'clock, he believes cell phones are like smoking, like alcohol, and says since we have age restrictions on those things because they are harmful to kids, there should be a ban on cell phones for children under the age of 13. Now, this is how it would work. The onus would be on smartphone retailers. They would be the ones to have to ask about the primary user's age before making a sale. The first violation in this would result in a warning. The second would be a minimum fine of $500. Now, there are some stats and some of the most recent ones on the Canadian side. This is from 2014, and it's from a Canadian media awareness group called Media Smarts. They suggest that many of your kids are much younger than 13 when they first get a cell phone. A quarter of grade four students in Canada, so that's around nine years old, 10 years old, they have their own cell phone. The other numbers, and again, this was from 2014, and they suggest that they they could be dramatically different now. But by grade seven, 52% of your kids have a cell phone. The average age, grade seven, they're saying is, you know, 12 or 13 years of age. So this ballot initiative has been proposed in Colorado. If it gets a few hundred thousand signatures, and it has to be hand signatures, it can't be done uh, on the computer or anything like that, it will move forward. And if passed, Colorado would become the first state to establish legal limits on smartphone sales to children. What do you think about this? Now... (laughs) I I I could I can be probably persuaded just a a little bit on this. I'm thinking about it. Do you need a law to decide when your child should have a cell phone? Maybe you want it for safety. Maybe you want it to stay in touch. Maybe they need it for school. I don't know. If your kid is becoming reclusive and moody and not talking to you after you have a smartphone given to them, Why wouldn't you just take it away? What kind of controls have you put on your child's cell phone use? My niece and nephew, they're 15 and 13 now. Um, They've had a cell phone for the last couple of years. So I think it was probably 11, 12, and then 12, 14 around there. They don't, they're not big texters or anything like that. I get an occasional Snapchat from them, but that's about it. I think it's um, it's more about uh, staying in touch with mom and dad. But, um, you know, what are, what are your kids using it for? What are you using it for? You can let me know, uh, Chadville, at 630-630. We are going to talk to Dr. Tim Farnham. The man behind all of this coming up just after the 3 o'clock news. So you'll hear from him about why he thinks this. And um, he's a doctor. Well, he's he's an anesthesiologist. But we'll hear from him directly about why he thinks this is a good idea. The question is, do you think it's a good idea? Some of your... Text coming in already. Chris says, oh my goodness, heaven forbid parents should have to parent. Aha's laughable nanny stater. He should mind his own business. Don't want your kid to have a cell phone? Then don't give him one. Kind of agree with that. Or if they become moody and you're all worried about it, take it away from them. Let me know. 
We'll continue the conversation after the 3 o'clock news with Eileen Bell. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.